Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Patrick Henningsen talks on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks. All right. Welcome. Welcome to the program. TNT, today's News Talk is broadcasting live and direct for the next two hours. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be uh, delving into some important affairs, really touching on international relations. We'll be covering the Middle East uh, in depth today. We have some outstanding guests going to join us in the first hour. We're going to connect one of them in a moment, but also in the second hour, uh, we've got an extended analysis about three or four major stories which are going to roll out with Christian, our research assistant for the show. The net zero agenda is literally going insane on the UK front. We'll talk about that and how they're colluding with the EU. Also, AI's new green measures. So imagine that, combining AI with green policies. Do you think that sounds like a nightmare? It is a nightmare. We're going to cover that in the second hour with Christian, along with some other important topics. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a very interesting discussion. Uh, We have about five or six major stories that we need to comb through. Christian's been working very hard looking into these, and we're going to share his findings with you. Now, uh, right now, I want to connect. I want to bring on to the stage, uh, because uh, the situation in the Middle East is uh, very pivotal right now. Uh, The temporary truce, the temporary ceasefire has been extended for one, possibly two days. So that means that they're going to continue exchanging hostages. We're talking about the Israelis and Hamas. Uh, the images that have been coming out are absolutely incredible. I'm going to bring on Basil Valentine to the program right now, our trusted analyst and cohort. Basil, the images from Gaza of uh, hostages, Israeli hostages, like a uh, thumbs up, high-fiving Hamas, uh, saying thank you, and just total, you know, it's, it's almost like they were a family. These Israeli hostages have clearly bonded with their captors. I mean, this is not a good PR look for the Netanyahu government, is it? But uh, Basil, welcome to the program. Hello, Patrick. Great to be with you. And hello to our viewers and listeners all over the world. Uh, Yeah, all the images of the Israeli captives being released showed them smiling and uh, on very good terms with their Hamas captors. Of course, the way that Western media is generally framing it is that uh, the Israelis are speaking of their terrifying ordeal. Um, But the headlines do not disclose the fact that the most terrifying aspect of their ordeal were the bombing raids by the IDF. That's what terrified them, not their treatment by uh, Hamas. Compare and contrast with the testimony of Ahed Tamimi, who was released today, the girl with the golden hair, um, celebrated a few years ago for uh, her arrest when still a child. She was detained again, um, released just today, And she has spoken of the appalling, inhumane conditions in which Palestinian prisoners are kept. Um, So big contrast there. Uh, It's hoped that the ceasefire continues. But Blinken has been in Tel Aviv again today, meeting with the war cabinet. And all the signs are that the Israelis want to resume the bombing as well as the ground offensive in Gaza 
at the first available opportunity. And we haven't really seen enough pushback, whether from the Biden administration or from European leaders, against that possibility. People like Rishi Sunak, von der Leyen, they've gone mysteriously quiet in the last few days. You know, mm. they should really be upbraiding uh, Israel for the breaches of the ceasefire, both in Gaza, where civilians have continued to be shot by snipers, and also, most particularly, in the West Bank. Just today, boys of eight years old and 15 years old have been shot uh, in the incursion into Jenin. One boy aged nine, and uh, Caitlin Johnston wrote a terrific article about this, which you can find easily on X. Um, he was shot dead for celebrating the release of the Palestinian prisoners. And uh, the edict had come out from Israel that there should be no celebrating. And the Israeli security minister, in her statement, felt that it was enough that this edict had gone out and he had disobeyed it. And therefore, his assassination, his murder was somehow perfectly justified. Absolutely extraordinary. On the issue of Ahed Tamimi, she's, as people may or may not know, she's an iconic child protester who first made the headlines and uh, images all around the world many years ago where she challenged an IDF soldier and I think cuffed him over the head or something like that. And then uh, she was obviously detained and she has uh, suffered her own uh, abuse over the years. She was recently re-detained. So tell us this, Basil, that the release of some of these people, especially Ahed Tamimi, that this is a big kind of morale boost for Palestinians in general, because these are some of their resistance heroes. Um, and it's interesting that uh, her and there's a few others, the longer this goes, the more high quality, I think, uh, exchanges you're going to see, because isn't it true, Basil, that both sides, the Palestinians are holding back the high-ranking is Israeli military uh, personnel as well. And then on the Palestinian side, they also have um, uh, their prisoners. Uh, the Israelis don't want to give up uh, the high-value Palestinian prisoners, political ones, um, not straight away. Both sides have uh, leverage. Obviously, Israel has more leverage because they have just you know thousands in, of, of these people detained uh, in their gulag system. Speak to the, the strategy that's going on right now. Well, of course, as soon as Israel release a few, they snatch a few more from the West Bank. So they have Israel has an endless supply of people that it can trade, you know, and uh, the, the total number of Palestinians detained is much higher now than it was on October the 7th, in spite of these so-called releases. So people are being released who have been detained for a long time. Many, if not most of them, women and children. I hasten to add, most of them have never been charged with anything at all either. They've simply been arrested and held in so-called administrative detention without charge. Um, again, you know, Western media is trying to frame this as the release of hostages versus the release of prisoners. The implication being that because the Palestinians are held in jails, they therefore are prisoners. And that means they must be guilty of some offence. But of course, the vast majority are not. Once Hamas gives up all the hostages, it has no further bargaining chips. I mean, it appears that Israel has been pursuing the so-called Hannibal Doctrine regardless ever since October the 7th, 
they don't care how many hostages get killed. Latest is that two further hostages have been confirmed dead, I believe, as a result of the bombing. Um, so long as they achieve their so-called objectives, but they haven't achieved their objectives. And increasingly, commentators are saying they're not going to achieve their objectives. But like the war against Hezbollah a few years ago, where in spite of their uh, theoretical military superiority, uh, Israel was able unable to score a convincing victory against Hezbollah. Likewise, this sort of maniacal desire to completely eradicate Hamas simply isn't practically feasible. Um, one Israeli spokesman said this week, it didn't matter whether the Hamas operative was wearing fatigues or a three-piece suit, they've all got to die. Uh, okay, that's his position. Um, does that mean that Hamas, for their part, given that Israel have decided this is a war, can declare war in the same way and that anybody in the Israeli government wearing a suit is a legitimate target as well as anybody in fatigues. So, you know, we get this endless asymmetry. Now, Hamas did not do themselves any favours today, I have to say, with the uh, shooting in Jerusalem. Three people were shot dead, a few others injured, because this helps the Israeli government frame Hamas as simply a terrorist organization and uh, one that has to be completely eradicated. So, you know, that's kind of the position at the moment. And here, here's an interesting, interesting story, Basil, that we broke yesterday, actually, Hala Jabber, the noted uh, journalist and author uh, who wrote to what many people think is the definitive uh, origins of Hezbollah in her 1997 book. Um, she, she talked about the announcement by Hamas of, uh, I think it's the Bibas uh, family here. So uh, apparently the reports are that the family uh, were killed in an Israeli airstrike. So Hamas made this announcement, so including young children, two children, in fact, a 10-month-old baby and also a four-year-old uh, child as well, Shiri Bibas. So they said, Hamas said, we regret to inform you that uh, their condition worsened. They were injured in airstrike and basically they couldn't do any more for them um, medically. Um, and so the Israelis are furious over this, but this is a bit of a double entendre Basil, as you can appreciate, because this is also very embarrassing uh, for the Israelis as well, because they have been launching airstrikes. They haven't done any due care in terms of protecting captives in this kind of very indiscriminate uh, attack on Gaza. A lot of people call it carpet bombing. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at this, but I think it's as um, that the West is reporting it as. Uh, like, like it's somehow Hamas's responsibility. But then I think even on the Israeli side, Basil, there's going to be differing opinions here of who's to blame. What do you? What are your thoughts on this one? I, you know, I believe Hamas have done everything they can to keep the hostages out of harm's way. You know, they've been in tunnels. Hamas could easily have put the hostages simply in residential buildings in the north of Gaza. Uh, in which case, far more of them would have been killed. But well, the Israelis here, just, can't... Briefly, Basil, on that point, you've just made the real uh, important point here that 
Hamas announced this, but you notice they didn't say anything about this earlier. What does this tell us? What you said, Basil, might be the case. They could have been kept in residential buildings because they weren't taken by Hamas. These could have been taken by some of the other uh, independent uh, resistance uh, fighters or groups that broke through the wall behind Hamas during the raid on October 7th. We know that that's the case. So they, maybe Hamas did not have full control over this situation. And so, but they're making the announcement here at the last moment. They hadn't addressed this earlier, which I thought they would have. But so I think you're right, Basil. This could have been a case whereby they were killed in airstrikes because otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't this already have been announced a long time ago that they and wouldn't they have been the first to be released with the children i think you might be on to something basil go ahead uh yeah quite possibly um you know we don't know where the hostages are distributed in gaza we believe they're all still in the north of gaza but that's speculation really we haven't got any i you know i i don't know of any reporter anywhere in the world that can give you a definitive answer to that uh, what we can say is that uh, the ground offensive has cost a lot of Israeli casualties, um, with Netanyahu due in court on corruption charges again on Monday. Uh, his position is looking, personal position, is looking increasingly precarious. The families of the hostages are furious. They've been demonstrating outside his offices. And, uh, of course, you know, there is still no obvious end game. He's been crowing about the fact that Netanyahu has been crowing about the fact that he's the only person that can stop the establishment of a Palestinian state in the West Bank and Gaza after the war. So that may be the totem that he hangs on to. Just to bring us up to date, um, Tony Blinken uh, has been in Jerusalem today and apparently he reiterated the administration's call for the IDF to account for Gaza's civilians before, wait for it, it expands its ground operation into the southern portion of the Strip. Now, they've already cut the Strip in half and set up a blockade and a roadblock between the north and the south. Um, Blinken apparently stressed the imperative of accounting for humanitarian and civilian protection needs in southern Gaza before any military operations there. Well, if you're genuinely going to do that, then there can't be any military operations in southern Gaza for months and months and months because there are people buried under rubble. There is a, an extreme humanitarian crisis. Uh, the UN, all the agencies have been saying disease could break out at any moment. The entire population is on the brink of starvation. Uh, you know, this little pause has been better than nothing, but it's still really only a Band-Aid over a gaping wound. So, you know, all the sort of um, international agencies and all the moderate uh you know humanitarian politicians around the world are saying this is you know this has got to stop what blinken's saying really is carry on regardless you know i mean he apparently said that the us read out a statement saying the 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 administration urged israel to take every possible measure to avoid civilian harm well those are exactly the same milk toast words 
that we've heard since the beginning of this uh, massacre, and they mean nothing. You know, uh, it, that means carry on bombing hospitals, refugee centers, schools, whatever you like, regardless, because the Israelis will just simply turn around and say, oh, Hamas were hiding there. Oh, sorry, uh, you know, that bomb went astray. In fact, they don't even really bother to say that anymore. You know, um, you know, they just li they listen to Blinken while he's in Jerusalem. And then as soon as he's gone, it's, you know, mm. forget about him. It's all PR and optics at this point, That's Basil. Right. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack there, Basil. It's it's all it's all damage control, isn't it? Right now, I mean, at this point, if, uh, considering everything that's happened over the last six, seven weeks, um, everyone's going to be in damage control, I think, from now forward. And you made a good point at the beginning of this discussion, Basil. You're talking about, um, you know, when, when this pause happened as well. I mean, the attitude shift. Uh, the shifting of attitudes why all you need is a little bit of breathing space don't you all you need is a couple of days people st uh, take stock of the situation as it's ongoing without any breaks nobody has it's just a juggernaut that won't stop in the media and the politics but as soon as there's a pause as soon as there's a pause and i think this is what's happened basil and i think this is a somewhat of a silver lining i am of course reticent about what will happen in the next couple of days with especially what with, with what the israels and the idf will do uh, in terms of resuming the destruction the rapacious bombing but i am heartened and i am i think this has been a very important moment for um for palestinian families to see their uh, children being returned from these ch child prisons that Israel's running, and also for the uh, Israeli side as well. It's been uh, positive for people who, you know, have had family held hostage. So I think it is that there is a chance here that more dialogue can happen, not just Netanyahu yes. and the IDF's propaganda machine and whatever else. You don't even hear anything in the from the Palestinian side from uh, the Western media, Basil. But I think I think there's a lot of positives uh, to take away from the last five or six days go ahead absolutely i mean we've had peace uh for five or six days um and that has done the cause of peace a great deal of good because people are saying well now why should you know twenty thousand people have been killed uh at least that number have been seriously injured pretty much the entire infrastructure, certainly of the north of Gaza, has been destroyed, has been laid waste. Isn't that enough? What's you mean you're gonna you're gonna resume this huge indiscriminate bombing campaign and what, kill another 20,000 people? You know? Uh you know, anybody with uh, any soul, any compassion, uh, any sense of proportion, any hope for the future would say that's not on. You can't carry on like that. Now, uh, it seems like the United States is drawing a distinction between the North, which they're happy for Israel to carry on bombing, and the South, where they're slightly less happy about them restarting the bombing. Um, John Kirby, the uh, National Security Council coordinator, this week told reporters, we don't support Southern operations unless or until the Israelis can show that they have accounted for all the internally displaced people of Gaza. That's an extraordinary choice of term, accounted for. So you mean the Israelis have lists of the names 
of everybody that's been internally displaced, all a million of them. And we can say he's moved there. She's now living there. But, you know, unfortunately, they've all been killed, that whole family. What is he talking about? Accounted for. It's totally sort of meaningless term, isn't it? Ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. There, there is no way that they could possibly have any clue uh, if they if they ever had any records before. At least on the, the the Gaza side, is completely shot to pieces now. The only records that we're concerned with right now, Basil's looking at the mounting death toll of civilians uh, in the Gaza Strip. The numbers keep going up, of course, as they recover more bodies. Uh, but the problem is uh, they don't have a proper civil defense. Uh, they don't have the equipment. They don't have the manpower to do the That's rescue right. and clearing clearing work. I mean, this is a big problem. So what what are we looking at here? That's an operation, Basil, that really was going to go on for months, if not years, but not not if they're not allowed into northern Gaza, if they're going to be uh, fired upon by the Israeli forces for trying to rescue family members from the, the rubble of where their home used to be. I mean, this is a totally extraordinary situation. A final couple minutes before we uh, uh, wrap up this segment, Basil, but I'll give you the floor. Go ahead. Apparently, uh, Netanyahu and Blinken today discussed efforts to secure the release of all remaining hostages. Well, that necessitates a continuation of the ceasefire uh, and the need to accelerate the delivery of critical life-saving humanitarian assistance to Gaza. Do you think Netanyahu's interested in accelerating the delivery of critical life-saving humanitarian assistance to Gaza when he's been doing his best to kill as many people in Gaza as possible? Um, the US apparently is pushing for extending the ongoing truce to advance these goals. Um, and Blinken apparently also raised the need for Israel to take immediate steps to hold settler extremists accountable for violence against Palestinians in the West Bank. Well, settler extremists are in Netanyahu's cabinet. You know, there's yeah. no difference between Netanyahu's cabinet and the people murdering in the West Bank. Um, apparently, Biden, of course, uh, threatened to issue visa bans against violent settlers. I mean, what a pathetic sanction that is. Do you know what I mean? They've got no intention of going to the United States anyway. So the fact that you'd be banned from getting a visa, who cares? You know, but but on that point, um, Basil, I'm sorry to interject. On that point, if there was any Palestinian violence or in Gaza or even in the West Bank, they're going to the Israelis and the Americans will lay all the blame on the feet of Hamas. But when there's there's violent set, settlers killing Palestinians, they won't lay the blame at the feet of the Israeli government right. and Netanyahu. Right. They should be right. sanctioning. I mean, that's what would happen, right? They, they'd either they put a death sentence on Hamas and sanction them, but for the Israeli government and those responsible in the cabinet, nothing. I incredible. And also, also blaming the wider Palestinian population. That's the thing. There's, you know, Israel and its supporters in the West, particularly in the United States, are very keen to frame all Palestinians as terrorists, quite simply. All the Palestinians, not just the ones uh, being held in the Gulag, but pretty much every citizen of Gaza and the West Bank is a terrorist. Well, of course, they're not. Um, but on the other hand, they don't regard every citizen of Israel as being the equivalent of the murderous, violent settler gangs who are themselves terrorists. I mean, at the moment, the situation in the West Bank is atrocious. Uh, Palestinian farmers cannot get to their olive trees. The harvest is rotting on the trees because if they... Uh, go from the village to the fields, 
they get shot at, you know. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, Ben Gavir and uh, the rest of them are arming the violent settler gangs in the West Bank with uh, fresh rounds of munitions. I mean, uh, and yet, and yet, here's this. Here's the joke, Patrick. This is the, here's the punchline. This is today in Jerusalem. Blinken reiterated that the United States remains committed to tangible steps to advance a Palestinian state living in peace, freedom and security alongside Israel. Mm. <laughs> Not in its current uh, format, that's for sure. Uh, but on that, that apparently, of... that readout today stops short of expressly calling for a two-state solution. I mean, that's very nuanced, isn't it? You know what mm. I mean? taking right. tangible uh, steps to adv to advance a palestinian state but not a two-state solution but apparently that's you know a slight shift in position on, on the olive uh, before we break i just want to add to what you said very important you know the olive harvesting uh, a lot of british students used to go to the west bank to act as western human shields to pick the olives because they knew the settlers wouldn't shoot the British students and the American volunteers and the Canadian volunteers and French. A lot of, and I knew personally some people who went to do that in the West Bank and they picked the for the olive harvest because the Palestinians could not harvest their own olives without fear of being killed doing it. Right. That's not an exaggeration. Go look up Western Human Shields Olive Harvest. You'll find uh, lots of great blogs, stories about brave young people who've gone and done this for years but they can't do it anymore because it's no longer safe they're not going to get permitted to do so but some have managed to get through but it's nothing like what was allowed before so it's a very tragic and a sad vignette uh in this big story basil basil valentine a uh, great segment i really appreciate your input on this is such an important story thank you for joining us on tnt this week thank you patrick there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That is Basil Valentine. Fantastic analysis, of course. Let's take a break right now with TNT, today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. When we come back, I want to welcome another special guest to the floor to talk about what are the chances for peace. Jason Leosatos, author and activist and artist, joining us just after these messages. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both of those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 
China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2 percent, you know, 99.8 percent survival, rather than the three or four percent mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been: not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing: this is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Out to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to our live broadcast. We're still in hour number one, believe it or not. The amount of information that we've been able to squeeze into these last two segments have been absolutely incredible. But uh, I want to welcome onto the program and a special guest in a moment. Before I do, just a quick update on the limited extension to the ceasefire or the so-called truce not really a truce but as some sides are trying other sides not so much israel and hamas have struck a last minute agreement early this morning to extend their six-day ceasefire by at least another day to allow negotiators to keep working on deals to swap hostages between prisoners in gaza being held by hamas and other palestinian factions and also the israeli government who currently hold about nine to ten thousand palestinian including many women and children without charge and uh, long arbitrary detention. So the truce has really allowed a much needed humanitarian aid flow to go into Gaza, although not enough, not nearly enough, as Basil Valentine said in the previous segment there. And so much of the coastal territory of 2.3 million people has been reduced to wasteland, believe it or not. And uh, this is a situation that desperately needs an impasse right now. And we have a quote here from the Israeli military. They're saying, in light of the mediator's efforts to continue the process of releasing hostages, 
and subject to the terms of the framework, the operational pause will continue. Well, it's not completely an operational pause from the Israeli side. They're still killing Palestinians, but it's a lot less than it was before. At least the mad bombing raids have uh, stopped temporarily. So that is something to be positive about. Hamas, which freed six 16 hostages in exchange for 30 Palestinian prisoners on Wednesday said in a statement the truce will continue for a seventh day. However, however, both sides have indicated they are prepared to resume hostilities once this truce is over. That is a worrying thing. Let's hope that there'll be another extension even after this one. Welcome on to the program, a very special guest. He is a many things. He's an author, he's an artist, he's also an activist, a peace activist. His name is Jason Leosatos, who hails from the beautiful Totnes in Devon uh, in the United Kingdom. Jason's joining us on the line right now. How are you doing, Jason? Hello, Patrick. Uh, thanks for your great work and thanks for inviting me on. No, it's our pleasure, Jason. So, you know, we spoke uh, when this sort of was kicking off a few weeks ago, and we had some initial conversations about what's been going on. Things have developed, uh, and maybe not in the right direction, of course. But, um, you know, just before we talk about the current situation, give us your observations and your feelings about where things are at right now. Well, you know me, Patrick, I sort of speak, I suppose, a little bit philosophically about things, which is not always good. But what we're seeing now is a, is an outcome that's very important for people to realize. Uh, it's an outcome, it's a feedback loop, it's a consequence of previous decisions made without vision and wisdom uh, by Israel. You can take it right back to the Balfour thing. So this is the danger we're in at the moment, Patrick, and this is what I talk about a lot in my, in my talks. And I know I keep coming back to this, but it's the most important thing. You know, what we're seeing now is an outcome. So uh, 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 so when 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 you see sort of uh, people talking about Hamas, you know, is Hamas to blame? Hamas is an outcome. It's a consequence of. Uh, I know there are random events. Don't get me wrong, but this is what we're seeing—an outcome from previous decisions. Um, how how you know there's bodies in fridges still? You know, I know they're doing the swap and stuff. You know, they've been told to shoot them in the wombs and and you know. The, the hatred for Palestinians. I think we're in a 1990-91 Cape Town moment. I was there, Patrick, when Mandela was released. I think this is such a poignant moment now. It's such a fork in the road. It's unbelievable. And I'm, 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 I'm I don't want to cause trouble for people here, but I'm, I'm, de I'm amazed that there hasn't been more repercussions and, and consequences, i.e., uh, people in Israel being uh, with, 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 with su bombs, suicide bombers getting their own back from the way Palestinians have been treated for over many, many millennia and years, cutting the grass, they would give them a haircut. This has been going on for years, but only now you see that the public is catching up because the anti-Semitic shields is at last dissolving and more people, more and more are coming forward, people that would never speak about this before because of fear of being anti-Semitic. But that's dissolving now, and, and that is very exciting. And, um, you know, the future gives us warnings, Patrick, uh, um, uh, uh, warning signals, which give us a chance to change our current course and, and decisions. So when they're talking about starting, what was his name? Elon Levy. I had to write his name down. Elon Levy. He was a London-born former, former Oxford student, speaker for Israel. He was an anti-government protester criticizing Israel government. Now, suddenly he's appeared out of nowhere. And what did he say? I've got it written down. Israel's response is proportionate to the threat we face. We really wish we weren't in this situation. Well, October the 7th left us no choice, the deadliest massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. But what no one's saying is this was happening to Palestinians every day. And more and more, I think, we're in that situation. And even, uh, what's his name, Elon Musk was talking about it. Uh, 
we're in the situation where people can see it now and it's a moment in time and I believe if Israel do start the blanket bombings again I believe it'll unleash a a chaos and mayhem uh we've never seen before I hope that doesn't happen but in a way what do they expect they expect to put people in prison steal their land browbeat them and bully them cut off their water when they want be cruel to them over over decades uh kill them shoot them when they like and really enjoy it from some of the IDF soldiers have said and then they don't expect any consequences so we're at that point in time where we don't need a crystal ball Patrick to predict the future the past and the, what we do now predicts the future there are random events but that's where we are now I believe we're in the 1991 uh uh Cape Town moment I really do and it's a very delicate situation what will they do they might blunder ahead and keep killing people I know that's a bit more than uh, I wanted to say there but um you know it's a really really difficult situation someone said I think it was Scott Ritter actually a one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter you know Samuel Adams Paul Revere I wrote them down Martin Luther King Gandhi Malcolm X you know and and one other thing that someone said yesterday not everything can be not everything that can be faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it's faced and this atrocity that Israel has been perpetuating for years and years must be faced well the answer is well, what what are they going to do then how can they put it right that's a big subject to be talked about then. that's the, the Jason is I'm, I'm I'm happy that you you're, you've gone down the philosophical road a little bit on this because it's an important uh conversation to have and I'll tell you why Jason I think you probably agree with this is that there are times in the world and there are times in life and there are times and situations where uh, the the conditions are so bad, the choices are bad. It's a choice between bad and worse, or it's a choice between worse and absolutely awful. And at that point, you ha you you have no choice. You have to act. So the Palestinians in Gaza have been under siege for seventeen years. Life uh, is for many people is hell. Periodically being bombed and attacked by the Israelis on a regular basis some israelis call this mowing the lawn very crassly they they call it mowing the lawn so getting rid of some of the natives every few years through these purges um and so i i thought about those scenes in 9 11 jason and this was uh, brought to my attention this morning by one of my colleagues on x twitter and uh, we were on a Twitter space, and they were discussing this very point. And they said, you remember the people, Jason, uh, in the Twin Towers? They were standing, and they they jumped. They jumped. They had to choose between whether they're going to stay and be cooked alive from the intense searing heat that was coming from whatever it was coming from uh, in the Twin Towers there, and or to jump, and they knew they are going to die either way they're they're going to die either way so they just said i need to do something i'm going to jump and you know there's no clearly they didn't think that they're you know it's going to save their life they just had to act and this is what happens when you put people under such intense pressure for decades generations and you're killing uh members of their family the neighbors everyone has suffered some uh unspeakable tragedy at the hands of the uh israeli occupation and so they act out. You have a prison breakout. The, the 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 slaves break out from the plantation, the reservation. And at that point, Jason, it you know you can't always control uh, how it's going to look and what it's going to be like. Certainly, the official story of October seventh 
uh, is nothing near reality. We're finding out much later with new evidence that, in fact, it was the Israeli military that killed uh, a large percentage of their own people through friendly fire. Let's borrow the term from the U.S. military. Great term there. A politically correct military term, friendly fire. Uh, so that does change things quite a bit, as well as the hundreds of Israeli combatants, soldiers that died, and which they lump into this uh, giant figure of what was 1,400, they've reduced it down to 1,200 because apparently they found 200 people that they thought had died, uh, so they say. Point is, Jason, the narrative has changed with new evidence. But if you're going to condemn Hamas, Jason, and I think this is the point that you're making, then you're going to have to condemn the French resistance in Vichy, France, fighting against the Nazi occupation. You're going to have to condemn the ANC and Nelson Mandela for their terroristic activities. And, of course, you're going to have to condemn the IRA, the IRA uh, as well and eternally condemn them. And who knows? Maybe we have to, what, did they, did they carpet bomb Derry? Uh, did they carpet bomb uh, any Irish cities as a result? No, they didn't. Why didn't they carpet bomb them, Jason? Because that was seen as beyond the pale. That would have been unacceptable internationally uh, and for many different good reasons as well. But yet here, Jason, all of those norms, all of those uh, concerns have been completely discarded. Why? Yeah, well, you know, I got to you know compliment you. What a tremendous political uh, geopolitical analyst you are, Patrick. I'm not as expert as you in, in that field. One thing I am expert in is seeing atrocities with apartheid and the suppression of a, a nation. Because I was in Cape Town, remember, in the 80s when Mandela was still on Robben Island. I was speaking to people who were hiding messages in spines of books to send him, and I. Also, I married a black lady. So imagine what it was like. I got shot at and nearly killed there. The cruelty I've seen there was the most unbelievable thing ever. And uh, shocking that some things I couldn't even say, you know, I used to follow police cars in the night with little boys in the back being beaten by the, by the Africana police, risking my life because I can't see injustices without talking about them. And I know you can't either. And that's why we're doing our job. And um, so I, I think Israel's been so far let off very, very lightly with what it's done and what it's been doing. And the only reason it's been let off lightly is because of the, the threat of the anti-Semitic torpedo, which was shot into, um, you know, uh, Jeremy Corbyn and, um, uh, you know, I had Chris Williamson on my show the other night talking about it. And I, I, I you know, I think South Africa was, they were very lucky. Uh, those people were ready to kill everybody, all the white people, because the, what they've been through on their own land is unbelievable. Now, I've got to make a bit of a caveat here because my father, he, 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 he put me right. I was very angry with Olga, you know, uh, my wife. Uh, we went through quite a bit of horrible things because of the color of skin, even when we went to Florida. So my father, I want to make this point, my father, on a, on a positive note, my father said, listen, Jason, it's nothing to do with color. Stop being angry. I said, yes, it is. The black, they hated the blacks, blah, blah, blah. He said, it's not about a color thing. If the blacks had come to the shores of the, the Britain, they would have done the same thing probably if they'd had more power and guns. He said, it's a human failing, not a color thing. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I'm bringing it up for some hope because I had made a joke the other day to somebody, let's mix all the Palestinians up with the Israelis, shake it all around, get them having kids, and let's, let's live in harmony and peace. Like, mm -hmm. But they won't do that because they think they're the chosen ones, you see. And that's a whole big subject in itself. But I just, I got my book here, as you know, I've written a book. And But but I want to say how quick things can change in a moment, right? 
I just wrote you a country resolving its past disputes with another in the space of five seconds with a simple handshake can heal the past, the present, and avert a nuclear holocaust in the imminent future. So I, I want to give people hope here now, but the problem is, Patrick, we're in the people would do it much differently, but they're psychopathic maniacs, call them Zionists on one side, maybe religious fanatics on the other side, and they've all got their issues, but there's no borders from space, everybody. Right. So the people who are perpetuating this misery are generally the people in positions of power, be it Blinken, be it Biden, be it Trump, be it Netanyahu. But uh, in the ideal world, they would be quarantined and rehabilitated till they can do no, uh, no longer any harm. And then they could be maybe let out again. But that isn't the case. The people are shouting in different countries. It does make a difference. Protest. It does. People say it doesn't. It does. I was with Tony Benn outside the American embassy many years ago screaming and shouting and people said it didn't make any difference but it did it it it, it, it was a part of the smelling sauce alerting people to another lie another another con and i know uh veterans who have killed people in iraq and then found out it was a lie so even the in the idf people are coming around and 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 the, the that ethical alarm bell inside those people is screaming something's wrong here but they've been as we've spoken about they've been horribly programmed to hate the palestinian people and um but as i said there's bodies in fridges <laughs> in some of those places now they won't let them out even when they've died little children because they want to humiliate the palestinians again and again and again but at last the anti-semitic shield is dissolving they're still using the Holocaust, like uh, what's his name, Elon uh, Levy said, you know, it's the worst thing since the Holocaust. These people are having a Holocaust every day. That's what people must realize. And imagine if you were a Palestinian mother who's seen their children killed or a father that's seen their children killed. How would you feel? I'm amazed. I'll say it again. I think Israel has been let off very lightly. And I don't wish I'm on Israelis. I don't. I've got Israeli friends. But the Israeli regime has been let off very lightly because, because you'd think that people would be going in there with, with uh, bombers, suicide bomber vests on to get revenge for what's been done to Palestinians for decades. It's a disgrace. It's got to stop and it's got to change. Now, whether Elon Musk is going to go in there and change it like he said he was going to do, what did he say? Three things that need to happen in Gaza situation. No choice but to kill those who insist on murdering civilians. Patrick. I thought it was. I couldn't believe he said that. No is he, choice, is he but, talking about? Is he talking about Netanyahu and the IDF? Exactly. That's what I said when he says it. I thought, hang on a minute. He's, he's speaking about the wrong people. No choice but to kill those who insist on murdering civilians. Well, that means, like you just said, to kill Netanyahu and all the IDF, right? Then let, let me change. say something. Let me say something controversial here, Jason. So Elon Musk says that clearly. This is a lack of self awareness on his part. Uh, is this Elon Musk talking from a perspective of South African apartheid? Because wh why did he leave South Africa? Was it because of the apartheid regime was coming down? I'm not. I'm not accusing Elon Musk of uh, being anything that he's not. But I'm uh, only asking a question. I'm trying to understand what's informing his mindset. Jason, go ahead. We've got a couple minutes left. I'll give you the floor for the next two minutes before we wrap up. It was just amazing. It's on YouTube. People must go and see it. it, it it's chat. And, um, and then he said, uh, uh, we must, that was number one, the choice that we must kill those who insist on murdering civilians. Number two, change the education so that a new generation of murderers is not trained to be murderers, right? Is he talking about the IDF again, you know, as, as well? Hamas came in, they, 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 they took some people, they tried, right? Th number three, and this is the weirdest one, to try and build prosperity. 
Well, he's in there talking to uh, Netanyahu and Hamas invited him, as you know. Um, what are they going to create there? I don't know. I'm very suspicious. And I, I look, I hope I hope he's got a big heart and he's going to do something there, which could be wonderful. You could you could could build a utopia there if there was um, if there was um, if they did the right thing. But I'm always suspicious when someone is that um, that that in, in, sort of immersed in that they are the chosen ones and they are the ones. The, the the God's chosen ones and and you know these people are just like animals. They've said it themselves, you know. Then I'm very suspicious to what could come out of this, and I, I'm I'm convinced, and I've said it many times. If they could exterminate them without anyone seeing them, and without the world knowing, I'm sorry to say, everybody, I think they would have done it already. It's only that the eyes of the world are on them. So don't ever think that what you say and do. Um, it doesn't make a difference because it does. It swings the pendulum back. But, um, you know, it's showing us what happens uh, uh, when decisions are made without uh, wisdom and vision, Patrick. And that, that we're seeing feedback loops playing out now in, in, in Gaza and Israel. And what did they expect? How arrogant. It's like it's like the US and England and, and Europe and the West killing all those people in Iraq. They knew it was a lie. And then they don't expect any feedback loops and consequences. There's chaos now. And, and, and consequences way down the timeline and people starving and people dying and people suffering because of that. So Jason, we need Jason, we're going to wrap it up. We got to wrap it okay. up, but uh, yeah, show us your book and give it a plug, please. I encourage <laughs> people to buy this book. It's excellent. It is. It's the emergency transformation of human beings. I wrote that 12 years ago, but it's, it's just basic common sense. I said in the beginning, it's common sense, not wisdom. And that's what we need to get back to common sense, have wise leaders in positions where they 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 create that they 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 steer humanity's destiny with wisdom. Unfortunately, those people don't get into positions of power because they don't make the ethical compromises to get there. Yes, but I've well, got but I've got hope. I've got hope. <laughs> in some countries, they don't. In, uh, in some countries, some of them do. They're just not in the Western uh, NATO uh, zone at the moment. Unfortunately, we're waiting for them to emerge, Jason. Hopefully, that your words will inspire some people to step forward and do the right thing and be the best uh, version of themselves as a human being they can possibly be. Jason Leisatos, author, artist, activist. Thank you so much for joining us on TNT today's news talk this week. We really appreciate you. Thanks, Patrick. And thanks, TNT, for your great work. Fantastic. Really a smell insults. Well done. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That is Jason Leosatos. Get that book, The Emergency Transformation of Human Beings. There's not that many in print, but if you manage to find one, you're probably going to pay a pretty price for it, but it's worth every penny. Worth every penny. Big thanks to Basil Valentine in the first segment. we got more to come, however. Top of the hour news headlines are coming up, and we're going to delve into some big stories with Christian, our research assistant for the show. All this and more coming back in just a few, so stay right there. <laughs> 